0: Do you suffer from a lack of Dynasty fantasy football championships over the past four years? Do you typically come in 6th, 5th, 4th, or even 3rd place? Do you still own Devontae Freeman, Larry Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, or even Peyton Manning? Well, if that's the case, you might be suffering from DFI, Dynasty Fantasy Impotence. This may require a heavy dose of fantasy intervention. Now, side effects might include you actually trading away some of your players so you can rebuild your team. It may cause some internal stress and some hair pulling. However, the long run, it's all worth it, baby. Before you know it, you'll be standing erect and proud with that Dynasty Championship in your hand for two or three years running. We can help. Fantasy Intervention can help. That's what we're here for, baby. If you need that heavy dosage, you can go to patreon.com slash fantasyintervention. You can join our group. You can see the article I just wrote. And that can cure a lot, a lot of your problems. Before you know it, you'll be standing proud and erect, hard as a rock. I mean, you know, with the, the, the trophy will be hard as a rock. But you'll be standing there with that hard rock in your hand again, that's patreon.com slash fantasyintervention. We can help. We can help. What's going on, guys? Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. Got another Dynasty episode for you guys. Get excited for that. We have quite a few things on the show doc today, so get excited for that. Before we get to the show doc, I want to talk to you guys about properly rebuilding your team. Retooling your team. Getting it up to the level that you want it at the championship level, and understanding how to build a team the right way. You know, you hear constantly, constantly about how you need to win now. Now you need running backs galore and how quarterbacks don't matter and titles don't matter, but the wide receivers, you need, you know, guys that are going to have 10-year careers. And it just amazes me. It's like regurgitated information that you're getting from all these other fantasy football podcasts and experts and, Everything is just regurgitated. But the reality of it is, if you know how to build your team the right way, you don't need to listen to everybody else because guess what? 90% of your league mates are listening to the same old bullshit you're listening to. You don't need to win now. The reason why they're telling you you need to win now is to keep you competitive in your leagues so you keep listening to them. I would much rather lose two consecutive years and end up with two top three picks along with multitude of other picks because you traded away guys that are just roster clogs. God. And just rebuild from the ground up after you get fourth or fifth or sixth a few years in a row. There's a point where your roster is going to take a downturn. There's a point where your running backs get old and it's time to rebuild. You don't need to hold on to those guys that you've been sticking with now for multiple, multiple years. It's time to sell guys like Julio Jones. It's time to sell guys like Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. Just sell those guys. Let's restart fresh. Let's get those young wide receivers that are coming out of this draft. Let's get those young wide receivers that are about to break out, like DJ Moore, for example. Let's rebuild this team the right way. So if you're sitting there and you're looking at your roster and you do have guys like Devontae Freeman or Chris Carson, you know, Zach Ertz, like we just talked about, take a step back, realize you're not going to win with these guys being your top-end options on your offense. And rebuild your team the right way. By the time that you guys draft these wide receivers, right? And these running backs actually start to take form and you get the right pieces on your team, do you think Julio Jones is going to be relevant? Or at least a top end option? Go get two first round picks and a second round pick for Julio Jones. Just go do it now. Rebuild your team. You still have assets. You don't have to be like that guy in 10th place that's been there because he still has Peyton Manning on his team. And you laugh, but you know I'm right because you know there are guys out there that are still running 30-year-olds out there on their roster, right? They're afraid to dump them. They're afraid to trade them. It's embarrassing to be that guy. It is. But either way guys, it's that time, it's that time to rebuild. We have two extremely strong draft classes coming out. It's that time, you gotta rebuild. Now, with that being said guys, we are gonna hop into our round two of the mock draft. Wahoo, get excited. If you guys wanna check out round one, just go to last week's episode, it will be up there. And I go through picks one through six, the other ones reserved. For, of course, those Patreon members. And that's patreon.com slash fantasyintervention. You can go on there. Check out round one and round two now. Full on. Of our Dynasty Rookie Mock Draft. Yeah, get excited. And the reality of this situation is round two gets a little sketchy. Just gets a little bit sketchy. And we don't know what's going on right now. We don't know landing spots. So the majority of this I guess round two podcast is going to be based off of where I think that they could land their college statistics and their overall talent from what I've watched on film so far and I've watched the majority of these guys gone through them pretty in depth I found some good things some bad things some you know things that could be a hell of a surprise when it comes to NFL stardom and potentially getting there and you can find stars in the second round I mean Emmanuel Sanders was one of them right Preston Williams was the third rounder Terry McLaurin, second rounder for the most part. So we're going to talk about some of those guys. And the first guy who is most likely going to end up in the first round for me once the combine rolls around is going to be Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Dude, he's a dog, man. He is a dog. This guy looks for cornerbacks to go in pancake. I'm not even kidding you. This Alabama receiving team, those receivers, they looked – for cornerbacks that they could try and run over when it came to run blocking or even pass blocking on screenplays. I mean, Ruggs, man, this guy's a lot tougher than what people are giving him credit for. Everybody's saying he's a burner. That's an insult. That's a slap in the face that is disrespectful to Henry Ruggs, man. Why you got to be like that? This guy is like Deshaun Jackson gladiator edition. Yeah, I said it. This guy's tough, man. He fights through blocks. He didn't get a ton of press coverage, so it's tough to see how he accelerates off the line when given press coverage. But still, this guy's more than just a burner. He is agile. He's like a cat with speed. God, I love it. I mean, he has a chance to beat John Ross's 40 time. Yeah, let that sink in. One of the fastest 40 times ever at the NFL Combine. I love it, man. What I didn't love was the fact that he only had 13% of his team's targets. But, I mean, he did have Jerry Judy on his team, right? He's competing for targets with some really good quality wide receivers. So I can understand that. What I did love was on those 13% of his targets. He had 18.7 yards per reception, baby. 18.7 yards per reception. That's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, you can give me 13% of the team's targets if I'm taking every single target for 19 yards. His breakaway speed was excellent. His vision was phenomenal. I mean, he knew where to cut. He knew where to go. If he had guys, he understood angles. If he had guys chasing him, he knew to pull the ball up, cut back to the other side. And yeah, he was quicker than that guy. This guy's a smart football player. And I think he could, he could end up being the best wide receiver in this entire class. And you could potentially get him in the second round. If he makes it the second round, I am taking him everywhere that I can. Love him. I love how people are hitting on his inability to run routes because he didn't have a huge route tree in Alabama. That's because he didn't need a huge route tree because he beat everybody the same exact way. Everybody knew what he was doing, and they still could not stop him. But you know who else struggled with a limited route tree coming out of college last year? Give you guys a few seconds. Y'all should know this because I talked about it a whole ton. That's right, DK fucking Metcalf. And look where he's sitting. He's sitting real pretty. Henry Ruggs could end up being a better version of Deshaun Jackson, and I cannot wait to see it in the NFL. Up next, 202. Moving right along. We got Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn's interesting. He didn't do anything great. He didn't pop out the paper for me. Like, you know, I'm sitting there watching the film. He's just kind of like unimpressive. I mean, he had a few runs where he'd wide open hole. He ran through that hole, ended up getting caught from behind a couple times. He doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite ability to break tackles. His vision's pretty solid overall, and I really liked his wiggle in the pocket. I don't think he's going to have too many uh, runs for loss because his ability to just know where the open gap is, that's strong. You know who else had that? Carry on Johnson. He's not as physical as carry-on johnson not as big as carry-on johnson not as fast as carry-on johnson but he's very similar i mean it's kind of like if carry-on johnson got seriously hurt he's coming off an injury oh wait oh oh so Keyshawn vaughn is carry-on johnson that makes sense there we go yes Keyshawn vaughn is carry-on johnson he's a subpar pass blocker excuse me subpar pass blocker and like i said he's not the fastest guy but he can make guys miss He's going to be a two-down back because he doesn't really catch passes. But guess what? Carlos Hyde, Josh Jacobs, Caron Johnson—they're <laughs> still pretty fantasy relevant, especially in that flex position and especially on bye weeks. So Keyshawn Vaughn could still be an option. The thing that you got to keep an eye on, of course, is his landing spot, which is a big question mark for a lot of these guys. I don't really see him fitting in anywhere that that needs a running back that provides—I don't know—his skill set. I mean, maybe Melvin Gordon doesn't go to the Texans and the Texans could use him. It's possible in a spot for him. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Keyshawn Vaughn for me is most likely going to be a guy that falls for me when we come to the combine. But for now, he's sitting at 202. All right, moving right along. We got Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, baby. A bunch of people were like, what the fuck are you doing? You still have all sorts of good receivers ahead of Denzel Mims, but I don't. I don't. I'm going out there. I'm going out there on a limb, and that's why you guys love me, right? Because I have controversial takes that not too many other fantasy analysts agree with. However, I hit on 90% of those takes. Hot takes. Those things that nobody wants to go out there and put their neck on the line, I hit on most of them. And Denzel Mims, for me, is one of those takes. There are not too many fantasy analysts that see him as a second-round pick. I mean, he's going to be 23 before the season starts. He went to Baylor, which you have to keep in mind, busts from Baylor come out constantly. I mean, you have bad taste in your mouth whenever you think of a Baylor receiver. I mean, Josh Gordon was the best Baylor receiver that's ever come out of there, at least off the top of my head. And he obviously has serious issues. So that leaves the question, who were the other Baylor receivers? It was bad. It was bad. I mean, Jury's still out on Jalen Hurd. He obviously spent his rookie season on the IR. So we're not going to talk about Jalen Hurd. But Corey Coleman picked at 115. The Cleveland Browns. Ooh, that's terrible, right? Absolutely brutal. I mean, Tevin Reese. Ooh, bad. Terrence Williams going in the third round. Terrible. Josh Gordon. We already talked about that. Let you down. Kendall Wright going in the first round to the Tennessee Titans. What did he do? Absolutely nothing. And David Geddes? Yeah. I can understand if you don't want to draft a Baylor receiver, but this guy, this guy is going to be a monster. He is a different animal. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Right now, this guy is a different animal. He dominated the senior bowl. Right? He made Justin Herbert look like a god out there. He made him look like a god. Not only did he dominate the actual senior bowl, but the practices leading up, every coach... Every reporter was raving about how he was making play after play after play after play. Go to search Denzel Mims Senior Bowl. All you're going to see are highlights of him burning receivers, making contested catches, separate himself. And it was tough for me to find a guy to compare him to because I haven't seen a guy like this. Like he's not as physically dominating as Cortland Sutton when it came to, you know, going up on contested catches. Right? He doesn't have the separation of Kenny Galladay necessarily. He doesn't have the speed of Tyrell Williams. But every one of those categories, he's well above average at. And I think that if he ends up in the right situation where he can battle for a starting spot, he's going to be an X receiver in the NFL for a very, very long time. I love Denzel Mims, and he's going to be my 203 right now. There is a chance that he falls pending the Combine. But either way, I'm going to latch on to this guy in the second round all over the place. I'm going to have a lot of shares, a lot of shares of Denzel Mims. On to my next guy. I was going to go bet Michael Pittman Jr., but thinking about it and thinking about the situation with Tyler Johnson, I think I'm going to go Tyler Johnson over Michael Pittman Jr. I'll go back to Pittman in a second. Tyler Johnson, he is Adam Thielen. He is shifty. He's quick. He tracks the ball. He can create separation. He knows where the empty zones are up against defenses. He's extremely, extremely intelligent when he comes to just getting himself open. And with Adam Thielen not having a hot past what? Season and a half now? Yeah, he hasn't been great. They could be looking for his replacement coming up here. And I think that Tyler Johnson would be the perfect fit to take over for Adam Thielen. I mean, he is Adam Thielen, essentially. Love it. Absolutely love it. He has this innate ability to change directions. His agility is off the charts. I mean, it is the perfect fit for him to go there. Spend your studying underneath Adam Thielen. Vikings cut Adam Thielen. Get rid of that huge contract. Boom. Tyler Johnson is your starter within two to three years. And... In an offense where they only use two wide receivers for the most part, he could be a valuable, valuable option. I think that Tyler Johnson could potentially be a steal, and I could only see him rising on draft boards when it comes to this rookie mock draft ratings. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I try. I'm done. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Done. Up next, we got our Michael Pittman, man. Michael Pittman Jr. Do you remember that dude? He uh, played for the Chiefs, right? He had a stellar season. Big physical motherfucker. Big physical guy. Name was Dwayne Bowe. And he came on fire. Just came screaming. Into fantasy hearts. Only to leave them completely empty within a year. Maybe two. But I feel like Michael Pittman Jr. Is a big physical sure handed receiver. Very similar to Dwayne Bowe. He's got all the tools. Like Mike Williams. Dwayne Bowe type player but he doesn't have the speed, right? He's not fast enough to make it in the NFL. I don't care if you're targeting him in the red zone. Do you need speed? No. You just throw it up and let him just dominate, dominate the cornerbacks. Something that I feel like the Chargers should have been doing with Mike Williams all season long and just haven't been doing. But no, we're talking about Michael Pittman, not the Chargers. Michael Pittman, if you're looking for a guy to give you the touchdowns he is the guy show me the touchdowns show me the touchdowns that being said touchdowns are probably the hardest metric to predict when it comes to statting out estimated fantasy points put up by a wide receiver so it's gonna be tough to figure out when you're gonna get them but all you have to do is look at the cornerback situations right if they got two cornerbacks that are under six foot and you got this big mammoth of a dude Michael Pittman could easily have a three-touchdown game in the right situation, even in his rookie season. Just throw it up to him and let him go get it. Very similar to a Preston Williams. Although I do think that Preston Williams has better wheels and is a little more athletic than Michael Pittman. Either way. Either way, Michael Pittman could be that lottery ticket. He also, I think, needs a couple years to develop to get his route running down and to be a better overall polished NFL wide receiver. So keep that in mind. But I like Michael Pittman here in the second round, middle of the second round. And last but not least, to finish off our picks 201 through 206. But before we do, make sure you guys go on to Patreon.com so you guys can hear the rest of my picks for this rookie mock draft. You pay a total of $2 a month. That's it. 50 cents a fucking week. 50 cents a week and you get all of this content. Along with some XFL content as well. Yeah, I won some money. Had Landry Jones in my starting lineup and still won money. That's how good it was. So if you guys are itching for some football, itching for some DFS, I should be providing some of that to our Patreon users. Potentially an episode or two coming up as well. We'll see how it works, see how much time I have. But once again, that's Patreon.com slash Fantasy Intervention. Patreon.com slash Fantasy Intervention. It's 2 bucks a month, guys. Get on it so you guys can enjoy the rest of this content. Now, let's go ahead and finish this episode up. My last guy being Eno Benjamin. And I was a little skeptical, to put him here. A little bit skeptical. All right, there's some other options I could definitely fill in here. But Eno reminds me so much of Danny Woodhead. And Danny Woodhead had some extremely valuable fantasy football seasons. I mean, you know, Benjamin's tiny, and I feel like he might be blind if Danny Woodhead needed glasses or maybe even a walking stick to see where the gaps are. I mean, watching this game film, it was just a little bit ridiculous. And I just want to know one thing. Where the hell are his coaches? Where the hell is his game film? Does he just not study? There were gaps on top of gaps on top of gaps that were wide open, and yet you saw him dancing behind the line. And then he had other times where he would just end up running right straight into the wall before letting the gaps develop. I was like, what? Like, did you realize what play they were calling? Question mark? And then he had wide open holes and he would run the opposite way. I just didn't understand it. I mean, his athletic ability is not in question. He is shifty. He is hard to catch. Oh my God. He's like my puppy when he ends up picking a chicken bone up off the floor, right? I'm trying to get out of his mouth and he's just running all over the place. And I'm like, Bentley, drop the damn chicken bone. And he wouldn't let me drop the chicken bone. So I'm trying to tackle him. I mean, I couldn't tackle him, and, and that's that's Eno Benjamin. Right? Because then my dog eventually ends up making some stupid move and running right into the corner of a room and trapping himself. That's Eno Benjamin. Wow, talk about a rant. Either way. I mean, we have Danny Woodhead, we have Darren Sproles, we have C.J. Spiller. as evidence of small guys with the insane athletic ability that can just end up popping off. By the way, screw you, C.J. Spiller. It's like one of my first ever NFL fantasy draft picks for Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, CJ Spiller. But I mean, that's actually a great comp, to be honest with you. I don't think he's as as athletic as CJ Spiller is. But CJ Spiller, once he got out of his system, right? Once he got out of that natural environment for himself, where he put up that huge season, he just ended up not finding the right holes Right, wasn't patient enough to be in some of these other systems that he got put in. Either way, Eno Benjamin, for me, could be a value pick where if he ends up on the right team and the coaches can figure him out and he gets some passing down work, like maybe he's the third down back, and you know that team is going to be losing, then Eno Benjamin all of a sudden becomes relevant. It's just what team does he end up on? And is he just satellite back? Is he a third down back? Or will he get a little bit extra work? That will be the interesting call. And that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Huge shout-out to Fantasy Football Discussion. Love you guys. Keep those questions coming. And, of course, make sure you guys follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fantasyintervention. If you guys want to listen to us on any other platform, we're available on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox. Wahoo. Once again, guys. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football lives. That's how you bang a podcast.